Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the Watt. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a good football show. I am Patrick Darty, joined today by a rehired Denny Carter, Patrick Corain, and Kyle Dvorak. We are each going to be highlighting two players. You will not catch us drafting in 2022 and then agreeing in consensus and moving on. Um, not debating any of the players um, that we won't be drafting. So, um, no, yeah, we're going to each be just, you know, the people we have the mental blocks against. The people we will never draft again. The people we can never click draft on. Uh, we thought it'd be a good time, a summer to talk about, since there's quite literally nothing else going on. Um, like just nothing, nothing at all. It's it's tough. I I will say uh, as you know, as an avid digger for for news, and I mean I'll, I'll I'll read anything that might have some news. I'm not finding any. There's nothing going on. I thought yeah. Denny does find he Denny finds sites that I didn't even know exist. Like <laughs> we, you don't get like a Titans blurb. I'm like, oh, it's a new website. I didn't know. From titans.football.net.onion. Yeah. I was saying Denny's been quoting a lot of article uh, articles from a site called The Onion, and I'm not sure that AJ Brown said he would rather explode into a ball of like gaseous uh-huh. chemicals than play for the Eagles. Or that's um, what I read. Look, if I if I read it. They, the things are vetted before they're put online, okay? So I, I, I know that it's true if I find it on the internet. That's what you know, I'm there's doing. nothing else going on. I was just wondering if anyone else on this – so, you know, I'm like a hopeless sports junkie. I watch like every single sport in exi- except for yeah. F1, which I'm just bored to tears with that Netflix show, by the way. My oh, God, I don't know how you guys are into that. But uh, like I watch every single Netflix sport. show? Yeah, it's bo- I'm just bored to tears with that, man. He's, no, he really, likes Pat likes baseball. His beliefs are a bit uh, reversed. Baseball, Ooh. there's action. This one's like oh, no, Australian no, guy. Wow. That's the whole point of baseball. There's there's no action. since I was uh, a nine, my parents are from Monte Carlo and have four billion dollars <laughs> each, and I overcame that adversity to become like you know, all right, whatever. Like, yeah, you'd rather watch a guy step out of a box and adjust his gloves every ten seconds. Yeah, hey, you know what? They're trying to crack down on that. Uh, and and, uh you know what uh i guess you're not watching sunday morning baseball on peacock like i am so i I still am i hate baseball but i do it uh, you know in solidarity with peacock i love i love sunday morning uh, baseball on peacock which i knew existed before right now yeah no not even kidding no one told me to promote this but ahmed farid is taking part in a special broadcast friend of the show this week on the peacock mlb game so check that out. Um, but yeah, other sports do exist. I don't know. Kevin Durant's trying to be traded. Uh, college football continues to be like in a Mexican standoff with itself. Um, <laughs> just destroying itself for some reason. Although not actually destroying itself. It's just making itself ever more fabulously wealthy, which is apparently the only thing that matters. But I just, thought, I just wanted to explore the concept of other sports with you guys and see if you knew about it. Did follow this? I Did we hear about this? <laughs> okay, well, that's the under again. That's nine straight unders for the Jay Leno impression. Yeah. I know for a fact Denny is at least, I assume, playing tennis DFS. You were tweeting about tennis, and I know you wouldn't tweet about a sport that isn't football if you weren't gambling on it. He was tweeting about baseball. He tweeted about the Dodgers the other day. Uh, I assume that was DFS related too. I can't imagine. Uh, I guess Denny's old enough to like baseball, but from the the analytics I've run on Denny's account, he does 
does not tweet about anything sports related that isn't football <laughs> that he's not gambling in some fashion. <laughs> and I have the same thing. I wasn't I actually I was tweeting. I was tweeting about the same stuff too, not tennis, but uh, Dodgers specifically. So yeah. we're both gambling. I don't know if that has translated to watching. It certainly hasn't for me. No, 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 no. I was it was tennis. It was uh, well w- Wimbledon. I made some lineups for Wimbledon. It didn't go well. I did not watch any of it because tennis is, is Sampras. Yeah, he just did not have a good first round match, right, Denny? It's uh, exactly, and I had him in every lineup. You know what are you gonna do? Um, <laughs> but you know what? Though I'll see Kyle's tweets about um, about a chalky pitcher going down. Dodgers and Coors. Dodgers just played in cores, and those are just the worst slates to have because you're like, and I know what the right thing is to do, and I don't know if I have the strength. Clayton Kershaw had a three point two five WHIP in four innings in cores, which if you don't follow baseball and know what that this, it's almost impossible to have a WHIP that high through four innings. And, and I don't know if if that's good or I don't. I literally don't know if what you're saying is good or bad. Did he do well? Yeah, for, I thought all these pitchers they took him out after two to save their arms these days. Yeah, I mean, you know, but the thing is, baseball sounds fun and good and the fact that the ball is now made of like lead is also good right pat yeah well that's another baseball is boy that do they love tampering with the ball like they hired like the deflate gate guys and like he's like ruin the ball and like he's like then however you ruin it can you just ruin it in the complete opposite fashion two months later so they go back and forth between like jackrabbit balls and medicine balls or like all right they people are getting a little suspicious that they're hitting baseball's all the way out of like RFK Stadium. You know, I'm trying to think of like a big old stadium that doesn't even exist anymore. They're like the the punter who hit the jumbotron in the uh, uh, yeah yeah the arena. They're doing and that. Like, like mysteriously, they're hitting balls into like the Atlantic Ocean out of Yankee Stadium, and then two months <laughs> later, they can no longer hit it out of the infield. And uh, yeah, they need to maybe settle on a baseball. It's a good sport, though. You should check it out. Yeah, other than us roasting so it for a few minutes, that sounds great. Uh, I'd only watch it on Peacock on Sunday mornings. That's kind of what I find to be the most appealing aspect you of it. Go there, you go, Kyle. And now it's time to talk about the only sport that matters: NFL football. You know, just raging right now on June thirtieth. There's just so much going on in NFL. It's just I can't even keep up with it. I actually I say that now, and then like there's gonna be like two trades and two arrests in like the next seven days, and there really is this never. <laughs> Never a dull moment, um, but we're going to talk about players. You will not catch us drafting this summer, and we're going to start with Denny. Denny, who is the first player we will not catch you drafting? I feel a little bit weird about saying, like, you you definitely will never see me drafting this guy. But at, at, at ADP, um, I will not be drafting AJ, AJ Brown with his, let's see, wide receiver 11. Wide receiver 11 currently on underdog. Uh, ADP. Um, I just I can't. I I. So I do you have a reason for this? It's not like you're just gonna say that and move on. <laughs> yeah, we're done. All right. So Crane, who's your who's your first guy? That's a good one, Denny. All right, my first guy. <laughs> uh, uh, well, done. look, could could he like, you know, could he dominate targets? I guess the positive thing would be dominate targets. The Eagles are more uh, pass heavy, not not pass heavy totally, but more more balanced, I should say. On offense, he gets a large chunk of the of that target share, and and uh, he has been an efficient producer. So I guess that 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 would be the positive um, argument for AJ Brown. But man, I I'm kind of surprised. Wide receiver eleven, like maybe that's just the sharps on underdog, and maybe when we have more casual folks coming into the fold, maybe that'll get down. Yeah, you know, wide receiver 15. It looks like they'll just push it up, probably. No, really? No, yeah. I don't know. I mean, all the like, wide receivers are going to fall on underdog, I think, a little bit because they're all yeah. a bit higher. Yeah. Right. Uh, uh, no, because see, Pat, look, uh, AJ Brown has hurt a lot of people's feelings with injuries and whatnot. That's true, actually. There probably are a lot of vendettas against AJ Brown. Right. And I don't, I don't think that generally he is seen as an elite wide receiver. Um, you know, my theory on AJ Brown is that he's seen as like a big play guy, and like people are always like cannot like they always even like quote unquote like normie drafters. Like if you've scored like a seventy yard touchdown for them at some point, they like never move on from you. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. So I'm not sure. I, you're right. His ADP will probably come down. What's the the general drafting public logs on? Though. And I would be I would be fine with that. And in fact, like in like big uh you know best ball tournaments or whatever, like stacking Eagles. Sounds, you know, sounds like a, a good somewhat contrarian strategy. I mean, stacking the Eagles passing game, I should say. Um, so so I, I get that appeal. But if you're just talking about like straight redraft stuff, um, man, I mean, you, you look at the guys, 
you know, going at T Higgins, um, uh, Tyreek Hill is like, is wide receiver nine to wide receiver 11 for AJ Brown. Uh, Michael Pittman goes after Brown. I, I'd, I'd rather have those guys than Brown. Would you have Marquise Brown or AJ Brown? Dude? AJ Brown. All right. AJ Brown. Yeah. Well, so yeah, I, you mentioned Pittman. He's going after him. Um, what other wide receivers would you be taking? Because Higgins, Higgins is a decision point. They go like right next to each other. Tyreek Hill, I think, generally goes ahead. You kind of count on him to be gone usually. So like, would you rather Keenan Allen, Denny? Keenan Allen, Mike Williams. I I would rather have both Chargers wide receivers. I would even rather have, you have Mike Williams and AJ Brown. You'd rather have a worse version of AJ Brown than AJ Brown. I mean, it's on a team that that. You know, that, the, can someone the, explain to me what's going on with the Mike Williams discourse? Like, what has materially changed with Mike Williams uh, since last year? I haven't really understood the Mike Williams explosion this summer, where he was a different player for five games last year, and then he was Mike Williams the final twelve. And I'm just not quite sure what has changed with Mike Williams uh, since. I la- almost la- picked Mike Williams as my guy. I'm not drafting because I I haven't. I haven't drafted him in best ball mania. I didn't get it as early into best ball mania. Some, some of us still like dynasty leagues. We like our rookie drafts. We don't want to have to draft like the week after the draft. Nerd, in best ball. So, yeah, I know I blew it. I actually am so mad at myself for, for, uh, for my dynasty loyalty. Cause all the best values in best ball mania were that first week, but <laughs> Mike Williams jumped up from like round six or something to where he's going in the early third now. And I'm, I've only had the early third price available to me. So I just I literally haven't drafted him. My hope is that he is getting pushed up because of stacks with Cooper Cup, which I think is happening. Oh I think boy. basically everyone agrees that you know they got to get that. Pat, week 17 they don't play on the same stack. team. I don't understand. Yeah, t- tell well, they us, play tell each other week seventeen, <laughs> where all the money is, guys. It's a GPP that they they have over at Underdog. My teams uh, that don't advance to week seventeen because none of them will are going to absolutely <laughs> crush, punching at the air as they drop you know just hundreds of points for nothing. But I think that is having a, a big effect on Williams' ADP and probably Keenan's ADP to an extent, although he was going roughly in that range before. But uh, that will probably also that, – that tie might get a little weaker as more normies come in. So in the same way that maybe we see some running backs increase in value as more casual drafters come in, maybe we see Mike Williams fall back down the board a little bit, in which case I'll be more willing to draft him. But it does seem like you're pricing in most of the upside right now. Yeah, like all of it. And Denny, by the way, I just started yelling. Were you done talking about AJ Brown? Uh, yeah, you did. Uh, <laughs> it, it, <laughs> all right. So, so just talking about other receivers around that that range, I, I'd I'd happily take AJ Brown over Marquise Brown, who I think is is wildly overvalued at, at wide receiver. Weren't you an early driver of that though? I thought you were kind of all yeah, in. Yeah, I man. was when he when I thought when I thought he was going to go a wide receiver twenty five or something. Yeah, but 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 fifteen. Yeah. Uh, uh, Jalen Waddle, I don't think is really for me is not not close to AJ Brown, and they're they're kind of in the same area. Uh, I, I the one thing I wanted to say, uh, maybe I'm going to get fired for this. Who knows? But uh, likely, it seems like I I'm taking DJ Moore straight up over AJ Brown. Hmm. Wow. In- yeah, I don't think I could do that. I mean, so I wrote up AJ Brown as a bust for the magazine. Where, I mean, like the Eagles, I mean, after when the Eagles became good last year, it was with a 55% run rate. Like, I mean, we're talking like prehistoric levels after yep. that Bucks game. And, and it's not, it's not like it's a thin target. Like, like even if they say the, the passing rate increases from 45% to like 53%, something more normal this year, uh-huh. it's not exactly like it's a thin, like skill core. There's like a lot of people vying for targets and, it just seems like like a tailor-made bust season for A.J. Brown, where the whole argument is that he's just going to have to be a special player, which, of course, he is quite capable of being. But, like, I feel like you need more pillars to stand on than this guy is going to be a special player. And I feel like that's, like, really the only, like, sensible positive argument for A.J. Brown in the Eagles offense. Well, I've drafted a lot of A.J. Brown, so allow <laughs> me to, us. Uh, on us. to okay. defend myself here. I, I really feel like – the chances to get, you know, a Jonathan Taylor type, Christian McCaffrey, or even Cooper Cup to start your draft and then pair him with a good second round running back or you can get T. Higgins and A.J. Brown. I've done that start. Jonathan Taylor, T. Higgins, A.J. Brown. I mean, to get wide receivers yeah. of that talent level paired with the number one running back is like, to me, seems like kind of a rare opportunity. And like the 
I, I don't know. It feels like we're hand waving the idea that AJ Brown is very much a special player. I mean, it's true. I'm in a, I'm in a dynasty startup right now. He was wide receiver four. Like the talent based argument on AJ Brown is extremely strong. His prospect profile wasn't ideal second round pick, but I think both his real life NFL evaluation and some of the production metrics held down a little bit by the fact that he was at the same school with DK Metcalf, the, the two superstars playing together. We've seen that like, you know, can potentially make those guys a little bit less valued as prospects comes in immediately crushes. He has a career yards per hour run of 2.59. He's been above 2.4 in every season above 2.6 since his second season. He had a career high 2.72 last year. I know it was a injury marred season, but he was fantastic last season. He's literally playing with his best friend in Jalen Hurts. I think he's going to get targets, guys. Like, I'm not too worried about, you know, Devontae Smith infringing on A.J. Brown's target. I think Devontae Smith is going to be a very good secondary option, but he was a secondary option last year to a tight end. So, A.J. Brown. But that tight end is still on the roster. He is still on the roster. He is still on the roster. Yeah. Zachary isn't on the roster, guys. I'm. I'm (laughs) It's definitely not like he's going to get a. 32% 32% target share. That type of outcome's not on the table. But with the Eagles, they started last year pass heavy. That didn't work out great. They went really run heavy to close. It's in sort of in the middle back half of the season. And then to close the season, they they came back up a little bit towards they're still run first, but not crazy running. I mean, it really was crazy. It was 45% their pass rate <laughs> after the Bucks game, yeah. which was yeah. Like yeah, the, yeah, they yeah, they ended the year at 50% run rate, uh, or it's like 50-50 split perfectly. And that came after, like Crane said, they tried to pass the ball a lot. They let Jalen Hurts kind of play Superman ball. And uh so to get to last place after starting as a like balanced in the way we talk about pass first is kind of balanced uh, to start the season like that. And then to still end as the most run heavy team in the NFL by like 1% is insane. How far they shifted. It is, but it shows that they're willing to try stuff out and they're willing to adjust. So it leads me to think there's upside to this offense. If they, you know, their big change in the off season was to add AJ Brown. Perhaps we see them start the season again, as a pass first team. I think they'll probably be like a slightly run first team, like maybe where the Colts were last year is the most likely, but there's a chance that they're like actually a pass first team this year, which would be huge. And right. so the upside of AJ Brown in a, in a pass first offense is the number one target. Like I, I recognize that there's a wide range of outcomes. He could be a total bust, but man, I, I can't stop dreaming here guys. Yeah, no, uh, it, this is the thing, like with the Ravens last year, you know, you go into last year thinking the Ravens are going to be super run heavy like they always have been. They come out, they're passing way, way more than at least I thought. And then so, you know, so Mark Andrews goes bananas, right? Um, th- that scenario could unfold here, and I would look uh, silly. Yeah, Crane at least makes it where there's more than enough uncertainty where like if you have just like belief in the player and belief that there's no way a team – can be running, you know, 55% of the time again, where there's certainly lots of like uncertainty based upside, but man, um, Miles Sanders didn't seem very bullish on that podcast appearance about his carry total. So no, what was going uh, going on with that? Uh, he, didn't, he, that was weird. didn't he, I think he said he would, was going to score two to three fantasy points a week. Yeah. Game, a game, this guy, yeah. This guy think, I mean, I think he thinks he's Boston Scott. Yeah. Uh, so I, I actually, uh, I couldn't quite hear what he was saying. There was a part where it was like jumbled. I went back, I rewinded that thing like, I don't know, five times. And I had my ear up to the speaker trying to hear what he said. Cause I'm like, I, I got to hear this. He mumbled through most of it. I don't, I don't know what he was saying, but basically he was saying as, as we have on the site, uh, don't, don't use me. Uh, Seemed big mad. Uh, not oh, quite sure. There's always weird summer narratives with the Eagles. And he, and he, and he rightfully he rightfully does not want to be uh, or does, does not like fantasy managers. Uh, rightfully, I mean, I, if if I were a player, I would I would hate me. Yeah, I I don't like fantasy managers, and I am one, and I'm yeah. podcasting with three others. <laughs> That's a very fair point to Miles Sanders and um, Kyle. We'll have you go next. Who is the first player? You are not drafting in general. As you guys are sickos enough that you probably have shares of everybody. Um, but who are you generally not drafting at their current ADP? Yeah, I think I picked players who I, I literally don't have across like thirty or so odd teams, <laughs> which is not a massive sample, right? Like uh, every it's somehow everyone on Twitter has gotten the tenth, eleventh, and twelfth pick every draft. I'm not sure uh, who is getting this first overall pick, but he it certainly hasn't been me. 
it's just the influencer bump getting first, second, third overall. Literally, he gets it in every draft. This is disgusting. I'd like uh, some sort of investigation, maybe by Congress. <laughs> so I actually do think, though, I was able to choose two players who I'd have to check. And you can't check on DraftKings. Their system simply doesn't work that way. So I, I don't know. I don't think I have any Alan Lazard. And I really don't plan on having much Alan Lazard. I mean, I just like... I really struggled to see a player who has been a tertiary receiver on an a tight, offense. A tight end. Tight end. Yes, he is like the backup tight end on an offense that has desperately needed someone other than Devontae Adams to step up at receiver or tight end. I don't see him making this massive leap just based on the idea of like, well, vacated targets. I mean, he has finished in yards per route run since 2019, 51st, 49th, and last year, 88th. His target shares are all 15% or below in the past three seasons. And I just don't see how he goes so significantly ahead of his teammates. Like every every player obviously has their cost. That's why we put the caveat here that like, yeah, I'll get some amount of these players if they come to the right cost. But I don't get why he goes like 25 picks ahead of Christian Watson, why he goes 80 picks ahead of Sammy Watkins. Like, do we have some sort of strong belief based on anything he's put on tape, based on any of his numbers, that he is significantly better than these players? I, I personally don't. If you like Alan Lazard, you loved him coming out of college, whatever you do, I understand why you would take him based on the upside of being Aaron Rodgers wide receiver one. But I, I don't think he should have really any edge over his teammates, given what he's done since he's entered the NFL. So I, I'm not taking him where he goes right now. It's like a wide receiver three, four, probably wide receiver four should be accurate. Yeah, Denny or Pat, before you jump in, I'll just read, like, it's been fueled in part by Aaron Rodgers saying he's been our dirty work guy for most of his career here. Now he's getting an opportunity to be a number one receiver. I'm not worried about him at all stepping into that role. I feel like he might be exaggerating a little bit that he's not worried at all. Um, but yeah, I mean, this team reminds me of when we got, I think it was 2015, Jordy Nelson goes down with a preseason ACL tear. And we're like, I guess Randall Cobb is just a wide receiver one now. No, players who aren't wide receiver ones and jump into wide receiver one roles are often just bad for the offense like that's how you like have vacated targets that don't add up to the sum next year because the offense gets worse you don't just get to keep throwing the ball if you're throwing the ball at five yards of target to alan lazard you lose plays because of that because your offense isn't as good i don't think it's going to be that sort of dreadful experience the cost obviously isn't what we were paying for that you know the randall cobb bump that year but like the uncertainty around the offense losing Devonte adams plus trying to backfill it with a guy like alan lazard like the offense could just be significantly worse because of that and not you get to play the Devonte Adams role. Well, there is, you know, look, I, I wrote up Uh-oh. Alan Lazard in, uh, <laughs> in, in the Packers preview, which I'm sure you all read. And uh, I, I, you know, conceded that, you know, yards per route run targets per route run. Like there's nothing here to point to Alan Lazard being, uh, you know, some sort of underrated pass catcher. Like if anything, he's vastly overrated and, and there, he's, he's probably not good. But saying that, <laughs> hold on. Yeah, I got to turn on several recordings. I would like to point out before we finish the sentence that Denny started his uh, attack on AJ Brown by saying, I understand that he's really good. And he started his defense of Alan Zarr by understanding he's probably very bad. Yeah, uh, Denny, just real quick, way. state your date of birth and full legal name. <laughs> um, I will. I will. I'll give you my social number right, right after this. Um, uh, but, you know, look, if Aaron Rodgers wants him to be the wide receiver one, He's the wide receiver one. There's nothing you can we can do about it. And I want to do something about it. Trust me. I like I don't I don't like it at all. But you know, at some point you have to concede that, especially with with a with a quarterback, a veteran quarterback who has such power over his team, right? This is Aaron Rodgers' team from top to bottom. Whatever he says goes, okay. If he says Lazard's the, the wide receiver one, that's it. That's the end of the discussion. And and so, you know, maybe he'll force feed Lazard. Listen, why has he never thrown to him before? <laughs> because he had Devontae. I mean, who who in the right mind would ever he's throw it three, to Lazard if they had Devontae Adams? He, for a while, had like he would like carry two or three like fantasy viable receivers. Aaron Rod- like the Devontae Adams like vortex was like a relatively recent Aaron Rodgers phenomenon. Where he only like locked on to one guy. Mm-hmm. But you can throw and, to a second guy too. And they tried, and it certainly wasn't Lazard. He's 26 year old with a career high for 513 yards. He has an injury history. I mean, he is almost literally a tight end. But I mean, it is, we, I mean, Denny's right. You can't just ignore Aaron well, Rodgers saying that he's the number one receiver. Right. I mean, I just might. If you, if you can draft him. <laughs> If you can draft him as your like wide receiver four or something, I mean that you know his that, ADP is that to his ADP right now is currently wide receiver forty three, 
And I bet it will. I bet the Sammy Watkins ADP, as it always does, will increase. I bet the Christian Watson ADP will increase unless the training camp gifts are right. like drops. But I think they'll probably be gifts of like, wow, man, he got some separation. And I know no one's wearing pads, but he scored a touchdown. That's pretty cool. The the answer here might just be Robert Tunyon, by the way, oh, if he's, yeah, if he's might fully, be. fully I, I have back. some Robert Tunyon. I, Big you need so much less too with the tight end eligibility. One thing that's yeah. interesting, I pulled up the the game splits app over here, and uh, the splits for Lazard are are interesting. He, he's with and without Adams. I mean, because you mentioned the target share, Kyle. It's like a little unfair to talk about his target share, given that he's played with Devonte Adams, like you know the the target vortex. So, you know, looking at his splits without Adams, though, he has. He had 4.48 targets in the games uh, with Adams and 4.6 targets in the five games without Adams. So it's not like he's been a massive target hog, even when Adams is out. Uh, and I guess the one thing that's nice about Lazard is he's, he's been able to be used in a variety of ways. Like they they use him in the slot. They've used they used him deep a couple years ago. They use him more intermediate. So you know maybe maybe that helps him be kind of a number one option, but. I tend to be with you, Kyle, that you can't force someone to be a wide, a wide receiver one. And you see it fail like every year with like the dot yeah. connecting. Like, well, like, sure. I mean, I, I know that he's horrible, but Brashad Perriman, he's those targets are coming no matter what. Right. And then he's on the way to wire in week three. And what if they add Will Fuller, Julio Jones? I mean, that type of situation would really be a big, big problem for your Lazard shares. But yeah, so Alizard, we're all down except for Denny, um, because there are reasons to be. Denny's not the only one. I mean, there is. I have I'm noticed. Not I'm not up, but I'm not down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is also good though that we all didn't come on here and be like just shaking each other's hands, like "good job, great picks." None of us are disagreeing with each other because originally we were all going to take turns. Like, I want to be the one to defend X and Y, and then I threw out a player, and everyone's like crickets no one wants to <laughs> so it's good though that it didn't turn into us just like handshaking each other on being like really good at fantasy football actually it's, it's probably i did promise that in the intro but I, I wanted consensus i wanted nine nothing for every decision instead we're getting I, six three i pulled up stats with the intention of defending lazard but the the stats did not make me like him <laughs> so who are you not going to defend now pat who is the first player you were not drafting uh, I am not drafting, and this is a this is a bit of a risky one, guys. The highest ADP so far is uh, I'm I'm willing to take bold stances. I'm not taking Joe Mixon. Joe, Joe Mixon going on a one-two turn. Uh, my deal with Joe Mixon, yeah. Joe, the thing with Joe Mixon that I really struggle with, where he's going at this very high price, is that I think he is got almost no chance of being a three-down back. He was. He got used a little bit more in third downs uh, at the beginning of last season. The Athletic had a really nice breakdown of showing his third down snaps as the season progressed. And it was really stunning how his role declined in such a serious way and P. Ryan's role increased throughout the season. They really trust P. Ryan as a blocker. They do not trust Mixon as a blocker on third downs. Uh, I think last year was his opportunity to prove them wrong with Gio Bernard finally leaving. If anything, now things are going to get worse because Chris Evans really flashed some ability as a receiver. So if he can, you know, get them to trust him enough as a blocker to have him be used, I think, as a more dynamic receiver than Mixon, then Chris Evans should be, you know, involved in a decent way. And if that doesn't happen, P. Ryan's probably got that, you know, third down blocking role. So, if Mixon's not going to be involved in third downs at this price tag, it's really a bet that he just scores a ton of touchdowns. But he already scored a ton of touchdowns last year. So you're like, you're paying for that, you know, people saw him last year become the guy you needed in some important weeks. He has been a really prolific touchdown scorer, but like that's all baked in. You're basically just really hoping he can continue to load up on touchdowns when you need it most. We know those are a fluky outcome touchdowns very difficult to predict i think this team might also lean a bit more into the pass than they did particularly at times last year because the offensive line is quite a bit better and i think particularly as pass blocking unit they should be much upgraded last year's offensive line wasn't actually that bad in run blocking they were terrible at pass blocking so the major upgrades that we're seeing from the offensive line perspective should be 
really helpful to the passing game, but might not have a gigantic impact on Mixon. And it might actually hurt Mixon if they can rely on Joe Burrow and the passing offense, which is the real strength of this team, to deliver the scoring instead of handing it off to Mixon way too much like they did last year. You hit on some of the central points against Mixon. For one, he actually had flukily low low touchdown totals for a long time until last year. Then you got up to 16, which 16 is usually a fluke no matter how good you are, unless you're you know, one of the two or three best backs in the NFL. You're not usually scoring 16 touchdowns. And you talk about the third down stuff. It's just the Bengals, it's almost like an Antonio Gibson type situation where it's not as bad as it is with Antonio Gibson. Like the Bengals, it seems like they, they look for reasons to never just like fully commit to Joe Mixon. They did at least commit to him on early downs for several years now. But even last year when he kind of flashes as a pass catcher, he still gets like yanked off the field. And they just seem to always find some reason to not go all the way with Joe Mixon. And it certainly seemed like last year is going to be a career high out, career best year for Joe Mixon, I feel like. And I mean, RB7, I don't think he'll be like a disaster is the RB7. I could certainly see being not being the the guy who's going to bet that he's repeating his 2021 like lock, stock, and barrel, basically. Yeah, Mixon isn't like a, a player because of what Pat said. I don't think he's he's not like Nick Chubb, Jonathan Taylor, Derrick Henry level runner. He's I really don't see him threatening like the 1800 yard season. You can survive Derrick Henry catching literally zero passes if he runs for 2,000 yards. That, that's not Mixon. It probably never will be Mixon. Uh, and it really does seem unlikely that he does the the pass catching thing where like Najee Harris doesn't have to run for 1800 yards. He can have a game where he like sets the target record for a running back because his guys are just checking down to him. So I don't see him checking either of those boxes. And I think he's fine. Like his, his ADP is like just actually behind where you finish in points per game. But I don't see him having the Jonathan Taylor, Austin Eckler type of breakout where you have to have him. You just there are one of like right. eight players in a season you have to have, especially in like a best ball context. Uh, you have to have some combination of a few of these players because they so greatly outperform even like, you know, second round ADP. I, I think because of what Pat said, because he's not the elite runner and the pass catching stuff, he doesn't have an avenue to absolutely burying you. And that's kind of what I'm looking at when I'm reaching into, uh, you know, second second or third round or top of the first round for for running backs is guys who can so greatly outproduce expectation that you are just burying your opponents. I think he's a good player who has a good role. I, I don't think he has a way that I'm looking back at the season like I had none of him and I lost all my entry fees. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're probably having to draft him at his at his ceiling um what you know whether it was because t higgins and jamar chase dominated targets or because joe mixon didn't make for a compelling target in the cincinnati offense uh he was barely top 30 in targets per route run among running backs last year who had at least 150 pass routes uh i think that's somewhat of you know somewhat of a red flag but it's something that we you know kind of confirms what we know about mixon is that he's he's not like a dominant pass catching force out of the backfield and and so to to draft him with that in mind that he's going to exceed this rb7 adp i think it's just it just doesn't it just doesn't check out for for me uh top 10 sure i mean whatever you know he's not going to crush you like like pat darty said a minute ago but uh, yeah, I, I'm not. Uh, I'm not thrilled. I don't. I don't know who who would be excited about drafting him at RB seven. I don't know. Yeah, that, that's. I think that is like kind of the heart of the matter. He's not going to like kill your team as long as he stays healthy. But the, I think we already got the Joe Mixon ceiling year, and I'd rather take a different ceiling bet with that kind of draft capital. Um, but that's just me. And real quick before I move on to my first player, Denny Giovanni Bernard's name was mentioned. I'm assuming you still have him on every team. <laughs> this summer right <laughs> i uh yeah i have 100 percent exposure um <laughs> as i have every year since 2014 this is gonna be the year probably that we don't we don't talk about him and then it finally does happen i, I would like, I I like the listeners to know healing. i'd like the listeners to know that i think i think denny was like you know between between let's call it takes between our stuff looks down on his phone totally reasonable we're all like trying to check for news make sure we're not missing anything just we're getting up and stuff and he hears Giovanni Bernard and looks up at the screen and his eyes like cartoonishly pop out. He's like, Oh, Giovanni Bernard, what's going on? I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> That's right. Uh, when uh, personal when, hero to the man, some people looked up to Jack Kennedy growing up. Denny looks up to Giovanni <laughs> Bernard. He was yeah. pretty good as a rookie. <laughs> he was. No one uh, don't remember. My first player, I'm not even going to like build, it can be brief, but 
Uh, are any of you guys in on Zeke Elliott? I mean, I know as a, an entire industry, we're not, but can he keep getting away with this, et cetera, et cetera? I wasn't in on him at all last year. There's like kind of a frequent point of contention between myself and John Daigle, where I was like already all the way out last year. And that was another, was I, who won the, the, the Zeke argument? I don't last know. Year? Like, I think it was the non Zeke. Did people. anyone I win? Would... I the think it was. Won. Yeah, Faders won almost without a Did doubt. we really? I feel like it was a yes. Pyrrhic victory. Uh, because like, well, I scored like 20 because we drafted Kamara instead, yeah, exa- yeah exactly. Yeah, um, <laughs> I don't know, yeah, I don't know who was right. And are so, any of you like the, the Zeke? He's the RB16 right now in underdog. Is that appealing in any way, or I mean, are we just he can't keep getting away with this, right? It's just it's so ugly, and like, like the way he produces is so disgusting at this point, it's just just based on pure volume in like massively positive game script i hate it i hate it so much i am ready though i am uh mentally and emotionally prepared for the ezekiel elliott eating salad stories that are coming up (laughs) you know like like you know zeke uh, watch out for zeke he's eating salad he's trimming down he's watching his weight this and that you know those are coming wait till august those are coming and quinoa bowls so, you know, the, the, from a salad-based standpoint, I think we could see his ADP rise. Uh, but at, at RB16... It can't rise anymore in RB16. Oh, it will. It will oh, rise. It, it will, will rise. Lord. It'll get to RB12. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And don't no, I'm don't out, discount I'm the brand name value when, when the casuals come in. They're gonna I don't even recognize this country anymore. <laughs> For real? Yeah. I, like, He'll be in the late second by the time it's all said and done. Disgusting. I, I, two... Defend Zeke. I'm not drafting a title. I, I think I'm probably still below average, like number of drafts versus how often you should be getting him. I'm probably below average. I don't have zero. He's not a player that I'm like, I will not take at any cost. Uh, he was top 10 in both rushing and receiving expected fantasy points last year. He's on a team that this still blows my mind because I felt like they were kind of a disappointment. The Cowboys led the NFL in scoring last year and they ran incredibly hot on big like EPA swing defensive plays. They scored like 72 points against the Eagles B team in week 18. Um, I'm just gonna say that's how they led the league in scoring. It it still blows my mind. They dicks like, where's my 1600 yards from CD land. If they lead the league in scoring, I deserve that. I never got it, but they led the league in scoring and he didn't run purely hot on touchdowns, right? Isn't like the mixing thing where your team scores a lot and you get to 15, 18 touchdowns. He sort of doesn't like, I think if you are top 10, in rushing and receiving expected points you play on maybe the best offense in the nfl there is room for that like 18 touchdown season but given how uh just i don't want to say untalented but given how uh, dusty he seems I- i'm not really taking much of him i think there is definitely room for an outlier touchdown season where he gets around 300 touches and scores 15 16 times but it's, it's another one where he's not super expensive right now but i think we're well past the days where where zeke is a player you needed to have I think he's worth taking because he's not crazy expensive. But if he keeps going up, he'd be a player essentially for the next month. I'd get to none of for two months, whatever. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Kyle. Like, I have taken him. Uh, I actually took him either earlier today or yesterday. So all, mm-hmm. all wow. Together, but, this is quite an admission. Yeah. I, uh, I did take him. You're currently like, taking him right now. Uh, clearly, the microphone right name now. and phone number. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm willing to take him where he's going because. You know, the Kyle's point about like, can this guy bury me when he gets late enough? Like when I think at his current ADP, I'm like, I don't think he's going to bury me. And I think there's probably a wide receiver in this range uh, or even another running back or even a tight end who could truly bury me. So, you know, I've got options. A running back, a tight end, a kicker, a defensive lineman. These are the types of guys you could take over him. Yeah. So if he falls, though, a little bit, it starts to get to a point where, he just needs to fall in the end zone twice in the right week. You know, he, he just needs to kind of have, have the role. He just needs to be like a little healthier. He's only about five spots lower than Mixon was in rush yards over attempt, uh, rush yards over expected per attempt last year. Uh, he wasn't good, but like there are actually quite a few running backs who weren't particularly good in this metric who were not were any running backs good by. last year. I mean, There's like forget that one particular Tony Pollard. Tony Pollard was one of the ones who's good. So, I mean, that's that's the problem. Tony Pollard in this metric was fifth. So I think the big issue is like, especially for people like us, like if you're taking Zeke in the year that Tony Pollard finally does it and takes over this role, it's 
I just don't You'll want never that be able to live with heart. yourself. Yeah, you never will. <laughs> so you just you'd rather you'd rather give up a little EV on Zeke and you know put all your chips on Pollard because that's way more fun. But I am forcing myself occasionally to mix Zeke in at this price because I do think he'll get more expensive. I do think drafters are going to come in, they're going to peruse the landscape of this ADP, and one of their first takeaways will be why can I get Zeke? You know, in like the mid third, late. What and he's going more like the three four turn, right? Like it's. I think the casuals are going to eat that up. Yeah, he is on underdog going pick 38. That is literally the 3-4 turn. It's like the second pick of the fourth round. Yeah. All I can say is Denny won't be mad when his dad wins his home league taking Zeke in the second round. And Denny yeah. won't be mad or tilted about that. That's right. My dad will be like, hey, he scores touchdowns. What do you want? <laughs> Your dad will take him like, you know, around of it, you know, still like the 1 2 turn. Be like, Zeke, Elliot, why wouldn't you take him at this 1 2 turn? <laughs> He's good. And- He gets the trophy for a fourth straight year. Uh, We'll be right back after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. Just a reminder, if you don't have the NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBet to go download it now, the contests are free and easy to play and you have a shot to win thousands by predicting what will happen in Major League Baseball, on the PGA Tour, and on the NASCAR circuit. We also have a special contest on Tuesday and Thursday called Battle of the Bets, where you can agree or disagree with our experts for a shot to collect some cash. Uh, we're back for round two, and Denny, uh, we'll let you begin round two. Um, Thank you. Yeah, because you know, I'm letting you go first. So you, you, you're on vacation. I want to see if you're still sharp. And um, uh, so that's what we call your firings, by the way. It's the euphemism we've agreed on is vacation. Right. Well, legally. Um, it yeah. Legally, it's supposed to be a vacation. So. All right. Uh, so who's I, the first player for round two? I have a I have a thing against AJ's. Uh, and JJ's. AJ, AJ Dillon. Uh, yeah. And JJ's. Right. Uh, AJ Dillon, uh, RB25 really. on uh, <laughs> RB25 on underdog. I mean, I I sort of get it. Uh, in that, you know, if he took over that backfield in the case of an Aaron Jones injury or whatever, the sky's the limit. Okay. Is the, the kids are always telling me the sky's the limit. So, uh, and, you know, so we, it's so from I, 1992, maybe. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I, I, I understand that. Okay. But I, you I cannot, uh, force myself to draft him around guys like, um, I don't know. Uh, Tony Pollard, I feel like has a better path to production. Um, even like Damian Harris feels better to me than taking AJ Dillon at that spot. Um, he is going after Antonio Gibson on underdog, which is a little, I feel like maybe a little bit curious, but, uh, but yeah, I, I just, I can't get excited for AJ Dillon there. I feel like his, I feel like, you know, his, his up upside prospects are kind of baked in, to his ADP, are you guys are you guys going to tell me that I'm an idiot and I need to take AJ Dillon everywhere? The one thing I'll say about AJ Dillon and, and the Packers' backfield is, like, we know they have to run more this year. Probably, like, but they had to run more last year for stretch stretches too. And like, none of their backfield like touch delineation makes sense to me anymore now that AJ <laughs> Dillon like catches passes and it seems like the roles are just like fluid between like who is the goal line back and who's like the third down back almost even. And then maybe there's some like weird unknown upside there with AJ Dillon, but I just feel like things have to revert back to normal this year where Aaron Jones is the unquestioned pass catcher. He's still the lead option at the goal line. And yeah, RB 25 feels very, very rich for AJ Dillon. I do feel like if you want his archetype, I I would just say like Kareem Hunt goes many, many picks later. Mm -hmm. And if you're, you know, he Kareem Hunt, comes sort of from, and Ramonja kind of fits this, from the half of the backfield should get a lot of carries, 
uh, but doesn't catch a lot of passes. Ramondre and Kareem Hunt have the other angle. But we like like Pat said, it, it is interesting that like Dylan entered the league as like he may never catch a pass in his entire career. Last year, they're perfectly comfortable throwing to him. And he wasn't particularly bad at it either. So there is maybe even some fluidity to me saying like I think he comes from the rushing without receiving angle. Maybe he does a little bit more of both. But I do think if you want that archetype where you are splitting a backfield for a team that should run a lot and should actually do it fairly well, lots of touchdown equity. Yeah, why wouldn't you just take you know Ramondre or or Kareem Hunt as opposed to the yeah. just the more expensive version of that archetype? Even if Dylan is maybe more talented, I also think Kareem Hunt and Ramondre are very talented. So you're kind of just paying a premium for a thing I think you can acquire cheaper. I like Dylan, but yeah, I've I've got more Kareem Hunt. I've got way more Ramondre than him. That's a great point about archetype. Like Ramondre Stevenson is in the same spot and he's really good. So I I'd much rather have him at his ADP for sure. Yeah, I've taken some Dylan. I'm about even with the field on Dylan, but I I feel like maybe I shouldn't be. Like maybe I should be a little bit underweight because uh, I, I agree with the points you guys are making. I mean, Dylan doesn't have a chance. But have you seen the calves over. or the quads? Excuse me. Sorry. Um, yeah, I mean, good good quads for sure. But uh, good quads. I'm good is a bit of an understatement. <laughs> I don't it, like if you look at Ramondre. And the reason I don't really like drafting Damian Harris is that I think Ramondre is the better back. I think he could just take over the backfield potentially, right? AJ Dillon doesn't have that like upside. Even Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt's not going to take over the Cleveland Browns backfield, but he could get traded. You know, he could go somewhere else and be a lead back. And then, oh man, like you you have banked something with Kareem Hunt. With AJ Dillon, it's more like that type of he takes over the backfield scenario is really. Uh, and Aaron Jones injury is that you're only out to that. So it does feel like a little bit less upside. He's maybe his, uh, his rushing. Also, I had like inflated in my mind, looking up uh, his breakaway percentage last year, not strong at all. Uh, RB 66 in breakaway percentage, not particularly good in elusive rating. Um, didn't do all that well in rush yards over expected. Like see, uh, see Jeremy Hill with nicer quads. Great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I would say the only thing that, talking you maybe back into it i don't think the only path is an injury i just where i just like i said i think there was like genuinely weird things going on with how the packers used their backs last year and it's maybe it's possible they're totally smitten with aj Dillon, and there's just like no way his role gets smaller and his role last year is like his baseline then rb25 is like very sensible but it's just a very very strange like very hard to predict situation i feel like because then just Coupled with like the Packers receiver chaos, I like the Packers offense could like manifest in like so many different ways this season. Um, all right. So we closed the book on AJ Dillon, who can't decide if we came liking him or not liking him. I think we not liking him. Kyle Pat cooled off a bit. He's Pat cooled in real time. Kyle, who are you cool on <laughs> um, as your second player? Uh, I have Hunter Renfro. I think he's the one who sparked the, uh, you know, maybe we don't have to all support everyone who one person denies. Uh, we were going to, yeah, just to be clear, we were going to defend each, we are going to nominate a player and then we were going to hardcore defend that player when Kyle nominated Hunter Renfro. The, literally the, the theme of the show was shifted. So it became clear we would deny him three times. <laughs> so oh, Too soon. So with Hunter Renfro, hey, anybody the Bible? Anybody else hear about this? Anybody else read the Bible? Oh um, boy, over one and a half impressions too. That one actually doesn't typically hit the over, <laughs> which is interesting. So betters are are cashing on this one. Uh, they will not be cashing on Hunter Renfro, who I, I I just don't get how he goes in the same range of what I think are like some truly good like breakout options, like like a Sky Moore, or Kadarius Tony, where where if you, I, I think for me it's if you were doing projections, how do you find a path? to not only project Hunter Renfro for anything more than like wide receiver four numbers, which is around where he's going, but how do you find other than just like everyone in front of him gets injured, which happened last year, but they didn't have Devontae Adams, any path for him to greatly outproduce his ADP. I just do not see that. I think the offense will also be worse, not factoring in the context of his target share almost without a doubt has to drop. The offense should be overall worse for passing. Maybe they can be more of an efficient offense, but I mean, like look at situation neutral uh, pace last year, the Patriots were 27th and that's because they're I'm referencing the Patriots. They're getting Josh McDaniel. Uh, they were 27th Raiders were 16th. 
The Raiders were seventh in pass rate over expected. The Pats were obviously 27th. I think those numbers meet in the middle somewhere. We saw an incredible amount of pace and passing from the Raiders that I don't think we see uh, from this new grafted on Patriots Raiders in this year. And we know that's probably at least somewhat true. We've already gotten evidence of that because the <laughs> immediately the, the Raiders, who are just the Patriots West, go out and sign a running back, sign a fullback, draft a running back, and the running back and fullback that they signed were uh, specifically from the Patriots, Brandon Bolden and Jacob Johnson, the fullback. So I think we see them pair down on their three receiver sets, probably play more two running back sets, probably pass less volume with less pace. And then you have to contend with Devontae Adams and I assume healthy Darren Waller. Where is the room for him to meet his ADP? Maybe he, I mean, he is an efficient player. Maybe he's, he's he can maybe meet the ADP at kind of like the 36 to 40 range, but can he really greatly? That's it. Yeah, that's, that's it. And I even think it's, it's not a guarantee at all that he meets his ADP, let alone exceeds it by any reasonable standard. I'd push back on the more uh, or less uh, 11 personnel part of that argument because they ran a lot of 12 last year and they didn't run a ton of 11. Um, even after they lost Darren Waller, they they went to a lot of 11 for a few weeks and then they went like back to 12. When they got Waller back, they were running like a, they were running a decent amount of like like only a couple percent, but like three tight end sets. Like they were doing like jumbo tight end packages. So I think you will and see. And they made more. the playoffs. What does that tell you? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I think they should have uh, kept their head coach, but you know, what, what do I know? Uh, I think Renfro will, will see more playing time as, as part of 11. I, I, I do like that part of his, his profile. Um, but the Raiders offensive line is not very good. And that's one of the things that I feel like gets missed a little bit. There's kind of this expectation they'll like be able to drop back a ton. How do you counteract that weapons. with short passes to Hunter Renfro? It's true. Life. Yeah. 6.78 out last year, 6.6 the year before. I don't know. I have not drafted a lot of them on underdog, which is half point PPR because it only doesn't help you so much. And I, you would imagine that, that Devontae Adams is used more in the red zone where Renfro's had like a decent red, red zone, uh, usage profile yeah. so far. He had nine touchdowns last year. Kind of weird. But um, I think that part will really hurt. Adams, I think, has to take over more of that those looks. So only three wideouts had more targets inside the 10 than Renfro did last year. A lot of that came, right, I'm seeing shocked faces, you guys. I've seen dry, dry heaving uh, and, and, uh, you know. and Excuse and yeah, me, I've, i got to mute real quick. <laughs> we'll be right back. Uh, no, it's uh, <laughs> and you, you got you gotta believe that at least some of that, if not a lot of that, is going away with Devontae Adams. Uh, you know, be you know coming to this offense. Also, if if I'm not mistaken, I don't have the numbers in front of me, which is why I'm a professional. But uh, <laughs> you got if I'm not mistaken, didn't Renfro go off when Waller was hurt? He did. He yes. Did. Okay. There, it's over. <laughs> That's the argument. I mean, like, I mean, some, why some of that know? was, some of that was the personnel stuff, though. Is that they shifted to more eleven when Waller was out? He has so a kind of stabilized, but I mean, to me, it's like why don't overthink this. Where Devonta Adams isn't just like the preeminent target dominator in the NFL, one of the preeminent red zone threats in the NFL. Yeah. He's also Derek Carr's soulmate. Like they talk about each other like they are yeah. like literally soulmates. And who do you think Derek Carr is going to be locking on to? And I just I don't think you really need to overthink it beyond that. And, and then when you have Darren Waller, one of the most highly targeted tight ends in the entire NFL, it's just hard to see the path. He's the wide receiver 39 right now. That feels like his absolute ceiling. I, I mean, it, just to give you an idea of, of how much uh, Renfro depended on red zone involvement he saw more red zone targets than mark andrews last year which is something wow that's something that is something very much something pat what is something uh i can't do that what is something i could use as a transition to your next player and they almost gibson. always come there you go <laughs> yeah who is your next player corinne <laughs> antonio gibson uh, I wanted to make it CH. <laughs> uh, I, I, I really kind of debated. Had some uh, had some tough moments here this afternoon, just walking around pacing, trying to figure out if I should do uh, Clyde mm -hmm. Edwards-Elair or or Antonio well, Gibson. Don't do, because CH I think, is 
CH has come on the show, man. Like, come on, give, give him a well. That's him that's part of it, you know. Give I was told in no uncertain terms I should not uh, choose. Yeah, CH. you're you're out. You're out. Yeah, as you say. But I also, who is even though I think, yeah, he seems like a great guy. Even though I think uh, Antonio Gibson is a better player than Ceh, there's a couple things that have me ultimately choose one. I think Ceh feels like maybe his ADP drops a little bit. This McKinnon stuff maybe not fully baked in, so maybe I will start drafting him when that happens. Um, waiting, waiting on that so far hasn't happened yet. The other thing is that Ceh is on the Chiefs. You know, one way that a guy can completely bury you is that he just happens to be in the right offense. You know, maybe learn a lesson from Leonard Fournette last year. It can kind of <laughs> go wrong. If the offense just sort of makes it happen for a guy who, who you don't believe in his talent. I don't have that type of concern when I'm fading Antonio Gibson, who I really liked last year as a, as a potential breakout candidate, but he did not deliver on that. And through two seasons has not really shown the type of receiving efficiency that has me thinking he's this impending receiving star the way it looked like he might be when he came in as this highly, highly efficient receiver in college, but on a very small sample. We have a much larger sample of him in the NFL now. He seems to be a capable Josh Jacobsian level receiver, but not, I don't think, a real star in the receiving game. He's fine as a rusher. They don't want to be loading him up with carries, though. That's why they drafted Brian Robinson. I think they want him to be kind of more of like a Miles Sanders type of back, and he's a Miles Sanders type of back in a Carson Wentz-led offense with a middling offensive line and his, his ADP is not cheap. Like speaking of Miles Sanders, this was, I, I was told this is a hot take. It doesn't feel like a hot take to me, but like I am often looking at Sanders versus Gibson and going, give me Sanders. Sanders is someone who can like, you know, you think about like a, a team that could have a really efficient rushing attack. The Eagles could support a really efficient rushing attack with Jalen hurts and if the passing game takes, takes a step forward, they could score a lot of touchdowns. I just have a harder time envisioning that type of upside scenario for the offense as a whole when I'm looking at Washington. I'm not even sure Gibson has all of the goal line carries to himself. They might bring in Robinson for some no, of those. That's yeah. It's, that's I mean, where you really get at. Pat Ray's threatened in like all the money areas he's threatened. Clearly they don't want him to be the passing down back. Now it seems like they might not even want to be the unquestioned goal line back. I mean, he did not – he wasn't a guy who, like, earned a blank check to be the early down back last year, just even beyond the goal line where he was wildly inefficient. It's probably because he's playing through two debilitating injuries, but he's had, like, toe and lower body issues, like, his entire NFL career. And he's just, like, a guy where you, like, see the storm gathering on, like, all three downs. And it's getting harder and harder and harder to feel bullish about him you know, in a Carson Wentz quarterback offense. I mean, literally blurb from two days ago, and it doesn't take that long to find because nothing is happening, is the Athletics been standing, writing that, that Brian Robinson could potentially be their answer for goal line short yardage stuff. And it's exactly to uh, both your guys' points that, like, if he just ends up being a bunch of empty calorie carries between the 20s, there's just not a lot of ways that he can he can beat you with that. And that is what things are shaking up to be. Like, J.D. McKissick was fifth in yards per route run last year, and he's, he's elite at what he does. There's not a strong incentive for them to let Antonio Gibson be the third down back given like in the athletics Ben Sandig he cited like the fumbling issues or just the lack of goal line efficiency like there's not a strong reason he hasn't earned every single goal line carry on a team that might not even be near the goal line that often so I could see him having a good season that is really not that like if he's as good as I think he is which I still think he's good but the, the role could not match that and it wouldn't even matter Dennis any thoughts on Antonio Gibson my thoughts are. You know, you'll be watching twelve of their games for us this year. I will be. <laughs> my thought. My thoughts are if 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 Washington uh, goes like ultra run heavy, like they did for a stretch last year, um, when they were actually winning games and just being super careful and managing Taylor Heineke. Who knows if how they're going to approach this Carson Wentz led offense? But if they do that, then I, I think Gibson has a, a, a shot to outperform his ADP by by a bit. Uh, but you know, no, no path to, to consistent pass catching is just a killer for him. It is just a killer. Um, not, man, I was also do a horrible transition. Uh, <laughs> no, I, like, I enjoyed it. He was genuinely <laughs> bummed out. Oh, well, it is. It's sad. He was supposed to, and Tony Gibson will be one of the guys whose career arc makes like the least sense in recent history. Cause we thought he was the pass catcher. 
and then he was never the pass catcher. Well, CH is a, a similar thing. It's like we know it's he, true. we know one thing about this guy. He's gonna be a good pass catcher. <laughs> like, nope. Yeah, we uh, don't know anything um, <laughs> at all. Tune in. Yeah. Tune in. Yeah. Uh, my final, the final player of the show, and I don't, we don't have to talk about this one very long, but. I, I maybe the, maybe I've just imagined this, but I feel like there's been a Brandon Cooks movement. He's the wide receiver 26 right now, an underdog. And he's another guy where I feel like, I mean, he finished I think as the wide receiver like 22 last year, but wide receiver 26 just feels like his absolute ceiling. Where it's still Davis Mills, it's still going to have to be a run based offense. He doesn't have like super impressive increased target competition, but I mean there are second year guys and Nico Collins and Brevin Jordan. Mechie's there now. We don't know when he's going to be healthy, but I, I just like I, when I draft almost any pick, I want at least some unknown upside, some untapped potential. And I feel like the well is just totally dry for Brandon Cooks. And I just can't, anytime I'm on the clock and like the decision is Brandon Cooks or I'm just always going the or, I feel mm-hmm. like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, extremely boring pick. I, I, you know, I, I'll say it. I'll be, I'll be brave and I'll say it. Uh, I mean, you, you look at the underdog uh, ADP and again, this ADP is a little bit skewed of what, you know, we might see in, in all, it's all Kyle's it's all Kareen's. So right. you take it with a grain of salt, but, but let's, let's just consider this for a moment. Brandon cooks is going right around Gabriel Davis. That's, you know, I know there of all the, 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 the hot, extremely hot and hateful so Gabriel right Davis now. takes out there uh that's not that's not a decision for me that's no. like that's that's easy okay uh even juju smith that's Schuster, first day of school yeah is uh is you know is it i think more appealing than brandon cooks like okay yeah i like we get it he's gonna have a 30 percent target share in an offense that's not gonna throw it uh unless it absolutely has to and they're gonna operate as you know ultra conservatively as any offense in the league i i, I don't know i just don't I don't get the. I've seen the buzz. I don't get the buzz. Okay, so it's not just me. I feel like there was buzz. There's a buzz. There's a little bit of buzz. I, I'm not going to put him as as a guy that I'm like not drafting, even though I'm not really drafting him right now. But I do think, like, he does strike me as a guy whose ADP will probably fall a little bit as part of. This I do agree with that shift from the wide receiver position because I think like Cooks is one of those guys you get to a point in the draft where like all the the sickos took all the wide receivers and you're like I need a wide receiver and Brandon Cooks is the only one left (laughs) and so like that dynamic maybe shifts to where yeah like what if he goes you know like the end of last summer we were seeing Marquise Brown fall into like the ninth round we were seeing DJ Shark fall into like the ninth round I could you know those guys are a little more exciting, but we weren't that excited about Marquise Brown last year. Maybe Cooks is more in that range, you know? And at that price, I think he's he's more interesting because the upside that you're getting, and it's not a lot of upside, but it's that Davis Mills takes a step forward. You get a tiny little slice of upside to go with your very, very boring Brandy Cooks pick. And I do feel like everyone's discounting the possibility that Davis Mills just might actually be good and – when you have that many solid performances as a rookie, there is always a chance that you just might actually be good. And Davis Mills could just actually end up being good. And that would, like you say, uh, play into Brandon Cooks maybe finishing like in like the wide receiver 18 to 24 range or something. No one else wants to entertain the possibility that Davis Mills might be good. Uh, probably a good way to end yeah, the show. Yeah, no, I, I don't. I'm putting I don't, people yeah. in position where they might have to say Davis Mills could be good. That's just not responsible podcast hosting. Um, so it's probably the end of the show. I think it was good. We 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 volleyed back and forth. No one got violent. Uh, it all seemed very reasonable to me. Hardly um, anyone cried. Yeah, <laughs> only uh, we were gagging. What it was? What did you say, Denny? That had us all uh, uh, doubling over. Shoot, like I had a hernia. It was Hunter Renfro's. Uh, oh, oh yeah, red targets zone, inside targets. the red zone. Yeah. yeah, that did that left. I had a tear. an ulcer, uh, but it's fine. Sorry um, about that. It's a very, very, very good show. Um, hope you have a very, very good 4th of July this weekend, everybody. A good old federal holiday coming up. Uh, we will be back next week. Denny and I will be back on Tuesday. Denny probably doesn't even know this yet. We are previewing the NFC South on Tuesday. Denny starts studying up. Matt Strout will be back next Thursday. Um, so hopefully you all have a great holiday. Hopefully you will rejoin us next week. 
And yeah, hopefully you will join us, by the way, at the Fantasy Football Expo. I meant to ask you guys um, about that. Uh, where we've been talking about flag football. We talked about it a little on Tuesday. There's rumors we might be podcasting from there. I, it actually is like just a rumor, like an internal rumor. I don't actually know if we're going to do it. But uh, <laughs> would you guys, would you be able to take the heat? Uh, like with a live podcast where like an audience starts booing Denny every time he talks. Would I'm that used be? to that. I'm used yeah. to it. <laughs> so uh, I was, I was, uh, I was born in the booing. <laughs> you were molded. One of, by Den- it. One of Denny's uh, AirPods just has booze in it. <laughs> <laughs> that's how, so. that's how you train. I have, I have my kids stand in front of me and say, you suck while yeah. I, while I talk. Yeah. Denny, if we podcast live from the expo in Canton, I think I actually will maybe pay a few people to boo you. <laughs> I was going to say, you guys were like, man, I can't believe all these people are booing Denny. Wait, is that Kyle in the crowd? Like, you <laughs> I thought I thought it was just a bit, but it seems like Kyle actually doesn't like him. Wow. Wow. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, guys, I made a real funny joke where I just scream profanities at Denny for 45 minutes. That was funny, funny joke, I thought. Uh, uh, even the NBC lawyers were like, yeah, tell that. Can you tell that guy to tone it down a bit? It's actually hurting our case. I have to um, say, it was very convincing. Uh, <laughs> you, you, you went like full Daniel Day Lewis and the, the method acting there. It's good. So, yeah. Hope you join us next week. Hope you join us at the expo. We're all going to be there. Happy 4th of July. We'll catch you later. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.